So your heart is racing and you're sweating and you're like, wow, did I even wear deodorant today? Like, what's going on? I'm nervous. And this is kind of a new experience for everybody, right? You're like wearing really nice clothes. And in fact, brand new clothes. You had to go out and you had to buy these clothes, right, for this one event right here. And you have them on. You got your tie on and you look really good. Like, real good, right? Real good. And uh, people are asking all sorts of questions. Do you know where you are? You're in an interview. That's where you are. You're in an interview. And that's, you're dressed up. You're looking awesome. And I used to go all out for interviews, right? Like, like all out. Backwards tie and everything. I mean, my, my first real interview, I wore a suit, a tie, button up. Like, I showed up, I was the best dressed person there, for sure, 100%. And uh, my next one, right, I wore like kind of a nice button up. It might have been this one. It might have been. And then uh, my next one, my, my most recent one, I pulled up in like a pair of jeans and a flannel. And at this rate, I think I'm probably going to be like strolling the next one, like Crocs, backwards hat, hoodie. One AirPod in, right? Just <laughs> barely paying attention. Uh, but anyway, interviews, interviews. Lots of popular questions with interviews. Has anyone ever conducted an interview? Do you have, like, favorite interview questions? I mean, one of the most best-asked questions in an interview or most creative, like, if Crayola came out with a new box of crayons and it released a brand new color, yeah. what color is you? What color? Ooh, what, what color Crayola crayon are you? That's good. Anybody else have one they like? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Why should I hire you? Why should I hire you? <laughs> right to the point. He's a simple man. I like it. I respect it. Did you have one? Oh, I thought you raised your hand. Oh, Cooper, go ahead. I like what's your weakness. What would you think is your weakest thing? What's your weakness? When I was doing, like, the mock interviews, I decided when someone asked me that, I was going to be like, kryptonite. Kryptonite, for sure. My weakness. Uh, well, anyway, I looked up some most popular interview questions, and uh, a few of them. Um, in fact, Ryan Kuhn, his dad, used to always ask people this question. Why are utility holes round? Does anyone have a good answer for that? So it's for a few reasons. If, and just in case, here's a bonus, just in case anyone asks you this in an interview. They're much easier to move being round because you can roll them. They're very heavy. It's also the only shape that you can't drop the lid down the hole. Because like a square, you could offset it and drop it right, and that's a bad day. <laughs> you're going to be looking for another interview if you're dropping the utility hole down the hole. Um, another question, that sounds just mean. How many basketballs fit in a bus? I am. I, I mean, I. I wouldn't have known. I looked at any guesses. Eight thousand. How many? Eight thousand. No. Is the team in the bus? No. I th <laughs> I believe. I believe they also took the seats out. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe they left the seats. Anyway, what? Eight hundred. No. There is air in the basketball. Yeah. I assume it's a full size bus. 
Full-size basketballs, too, yes. Full-size basketballs and a full-size bus. <laughs> anyway, from what I read, there were, you could fit 3,000-ish, maybe. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put money on it. Didn't, I, I didn't look very hard to, to find this answer, but that's the number that they came up with, 3,000. So, but two common questions are, one, walk me through your resume, and two, what can you bring to the company? And these are important questions for business people to ask, and in fact, not only for business people, but I think if we're honest, we base a lot of our relationships off these two questions, both personal and professional. We're free, we frequently find ourselves... Um, we frequently find value at knowing and looking back on people's history and what they've accomplished. What good have they done? What grades did they get? Um, how have they treated you in the past? What relationships have they been a part of? And it's not all good things that we like to look back on. We like to really just dig through people's resumes uh, at their failures, their mistakes, their backstabbing, how they've treated other people. Um, we want to walk through their resumes um, to know what kind of person we're associating with. That's what we like to do. And if I'm wrong, if you're like, hey, Matt, I don't look through people's resumes, then why, why are you so addicted to gossip? Why are you so addicted to drama? Why do you want to know everything about everybody's business? Because we like looking back on people's resumes. Walk us through your resume. What have you done? And what will you do for me? And that's the, that's the next question is, what can you bring to the company? What can you do for us? Why, why should we bring you on? That's, that's his question. Why should we bring you on? It's a natural set of questions. And I want to look at what the Bible says about these questions, but specifically, I'd like to look at how Paul answers these questions. Um. We're going we're gonna to pray. I don't, oh, can you get me the next slide, please? Thank you. We're going to be in Philippians 3, starting at verse 4. If you want to turn there, I don't have it on the screen. So you can pull it up on your Bible. You can pull it up on your phone. I forgot to turn the light on, so I'm going to do that. Um, as you're getting there, you, you can continue to get there. I'm going to pray, continue to get there. But uh, let's pray. Dear God, thanks for your word. Just thank you for being true, for your faithfulness. What a relief that you are faithful to us, like in the song, that we can count on you, we can rely on you. Because where would we be without it? Thank you for the Bible and your word and your truth, and I pray that your spirit is here, working through me, working through everybody here, that I would speak your truth, people would hear your truth. And may we all grow, may we all learn, may we all grow towards you, but also grow in fellowship towards each other. Thank you so much. Amen. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we're going to start with Philippians 3, verse 4 through 7. And this is essentially Paul's resume. If he was writing out a resume of his Christian or of his godly walk of his life, this is what it would look like. In fact, he did write out his resume, and this is what it looks like. So, um, verse 4. Though I myself 
have found have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now there's a lot there to unpack, and um, it might not make sense if you don't have some history on it, some backstory on some of the things that he said. But he's basically saying that if life came down to his actions, to, or to actions and to motivations, he won. He wins. He's got it. He's saying, however good you think you are, whatever you think you have to brag about, boast about, however godly you think you are, look at me. I have more reason to brag. Paul has more right to boast than anyone. He's a one-upper. Anyone know any one-uppers? Yeah. He's a one-upper in this way. He lays it all out. Circumcision, which at one point was the sign of the flesh for God's people. And just as the letter of the law said, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a tribe of Benjamin, which stayed faithful to the dynasty of King David. Also, the first king of Israel, King Saul, was from the tribe of Benjamin. So not only was he Jewish, but he was also from what might have been considered like a royal or elite tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. He calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews, fully Jewish. That was important to a lot of people back then, and in fact... A lot of the Jews wouldn't even associate with people that weren't fully Jewish. If you were Samaritan, just get walked right by. Not even associate with each other. He calls himself a Pharisee, which were known to, to take the Jewish laws to very seriously and follow them to a T. He even describes himself as blameless under the law. That is bold. Blameless. Perfect, almost. He was perfect according to those standards. He says that he had so much zeal or passion that he was willing to persecute people if he thought they were betraying what he believed. That's quite the resume. He had everything that any employer would want. Anything they'd be looking for, he'd have it. Whatever you have, I have it better. It would be like the spiritual equivalent to having a doctorate, 20 years of experience, and a go-get-it attitude. He had all the right answers. He had all the right actions. He knew how many basketballs were in a bus. He knew how, how, why a manhole was round. He did everything by the book. He made it. If this was an interview, it would be a shoe-in job. There would only be two questions left. When can you start? How much do we have to pay you? That's only if that stuff's what truly matters, though. Or if it's something different. I think uh, when he answers the next question, which is, what can you bring? What do you have to offer? I think it's very clear that spirituality is not the same as looking for a job. 
So he answers it in the next verse. We're starting at verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and can be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. What's he saying here? All of his accomplishments, everything he's acquired, it's rubbish, it's trash. All those things he just bragged about, his own righteousness. He says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. He's saying, everything, my perfect resume, it's crap. It's rubbish. It doesn't matter. Not only doesn't it matter, he's counting it as a loss. He's counting it as a disadvantage compared to knowing Jesus. All of his perfection and righteousness in his own eyes and in the eyes of others, it was holding him back from Jesus. His circumcision, his sign of belonging to God, worthless if he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. He's from the tribe of Benjamin, which was faithful to King David, worthless without knowing who came from King David's heritage, without knowing Jesus. Every part of his resume, every part of his perfect resume, worthless. Every action he had taken, a loss, a disadvantage compared to knowing Christ. What can Paul do? Rely on Christ and Christ's righteousness alone. I once went to a church in Hanover um, for a special event. There was a guy that went on a prayer walk um, all the way across America and he was going to be speaking about his experience at this church in Hanover. It was his home church. And um, as it turned out, it was a small church as well. And as it turned out, um, only people that went to this church went to hear him speak. And myself. So I, I'm there, right? I'm telling you. I literally show up. Nobody knows me. Everybody knows everybody else. Nobody knows me. I don't know anybody. I showed up by myself. I had no business being there. And I get there, and I'm like walking. I'm probably about to sit down at a table by myself because, like, I don't know anybody. And this older lady, she catches me before I even get to a table. And you know where she takes me? She takes me to the table of honor. She gives me a seat. She sits me right down. She sits me down right by the guy who did the walk, who's about to speak. So now I get to have dinner with the guy that's talking, the guy that I came to see talk. They cared about me. They cared for me. And you know what I brought to this situation, guys? You know what I brought when I came? I brought a bag of Doritos, okay? 
I brought it back to Rio. It's like, this is my first impression. This is my only impression to these people. And I show up and I'm just like, I brought it back to Doritos, right? I didn't say that, but that's what my actions were. I brought a bag of Doritos. There's like Sally cooking in the back, right? We got like deviled eggs. You know, it's, you know it's a church picnic when there's deviled eggs. But let me tell you a secret. They didn't care about my Doritos. That's not what made them welcome me. That's not what let me in the door. It wasn't what I brought. So when you look back at your spiritual resume and you look forward at what you have to offer, are you going to say, hey, I brought these Doritos. I brought these Doritos. Look how much good I can do. Or are you going to say, only through the righteousness of God. It's all a loss without a relationship with Christ. Are you going to say, oh, but I went to church on Sunday. I went to the forge on Wednesdays, except during the summer, because there was a break. But I went. Are you going to hold that up? Or are you going to say, nothing, there's nothing I could do. Anything I did was a disadvantage, but no Jesus. It's all a loss, but to know Jesus Christ and have a relationship, and rely on his righteousness that comes through faith. I loved the songs that we sang earlier, and I don't remember the exact lines, but just great is his faithfulness, right? Not our faithfulness, not, not our actions, but because of him. Because of his righteousness. When you're asked about your resume, when you're asked about what you can do, don't hold up your bag of Doritos, guys. It's not going to work. Not in an actual interview, just so you know. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to mistake that. But only through his righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you for your righteousness. Because without it, we just, we just bring a bag of Doritos. And that's not going to get us anywhere. We bring less than that. We bring nothing. We bring a disadvantage, a loss. So thank you for being faithful, even when we're not faithful. Thank you that you don't make it what we can do what we have to offer, but what you can do and what you have offered, your son Jesus on the cross. That's everything. Thank you so much. May we accept that, may we acknowledge that, and may we live in that. Pray that you guide us through this life, letting your spirit work within us on your righteousness, on yours. Thank you. We love you. And we trust you. And we have no other option.
Amen. <clears throat> All right, guys. I don't have any discussion questions for you tonight, um, but uh, I'd just like for you to get into groups of three or four and just pray for each other. Just ask each other what you need prayer for um, and then pray for each other. Um, if you're uncomfortable with that, we understand that. We're not going to force anybody to pray. Um, but can I encourage you? Maybe give it a shot. Even if it's a little uncomfortable, even if it's a little hard, even if you're a little nervous, be open to that idea. Thanks, guys. You can split up.